All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's September 16th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with week two NFL cash picks for FanDuel and DraftKings. This is what we usually do on Wednesdays here in the DFSR neighborhood. Did want to go back, and we didn't do our month, Tuesday morning sort of moratorium on week one. I don't know if you want to spend a minute or two here on like our cash games or if you want to just <laughs> scoop, uh, plot ahead if i'm being honest like we kind of came up short just bubbled on DraftKings, right around there on FanDuel as well i don't know if you want to you know nod to anything that went right or wrong from last week or um, i have a couple things i don't want to spend too much time on it uh, but only because we didn't do the tuesday podcast but uh, what were your th- overall thoughts here from week one sure as far as i'm aware we're not doing that podcast going forward but um but yeah, I'm still happy to do that as a recap on the front of these cash game podcasts. You know, it's kind of a funny week for us because we hit on the big money guys, which, you know, normally is the most important thing. So the top of our lineup had Jackson, Jacobs, and McCaffrey. Uh, ja- Jacobs and McCaffrey were the top two guys at their position. <laughs> and, you know, by a pretty healthy margin, uh, Jackson was right up there as well. Although Wilson, who's the other guy that we recommended, wound up being the top and, overall guy. And we played him on DraftKings. So right, it was right, like, right, right. So we had, I mean, we were there in terms of the big money guys. Where we got killed was around the edges with actually like pretty chalk options. I don't, I think the lowest stone guy we had was Tyler Lockett um, at like 15% in cash. He was still okay. He could certainly could have been better. It didn't help that uh, Thielen was the same price and much higher owned, and just wound up being much better just by scoring two touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, that was my overall sense of it. Um, we had some bad shock. You know, Boston Scott winds up getting hurt, leaving the game, and then we had Marvin Jones Jr., who just sucked. I don't know <laughs> no other way to put it. So I think that was kind of – and Hayden Hurst was the other shock guy that we had that did nothing. But, you know, those guys can be 50%, 60% owned, but if you have all three and they're all bad, that's how a good recipe to bubble. Yeah, Scott gets injured. Hurst really wasn't featured that much in the passing game. Uh, Jones had some targets, couldn't convert a lot of them. I'm, I'm not totally off him going forward if Galladay doesn't play because I don't want to over totally overreact uh, to no. week one to some of these games because they're so situational. But we are going to talk about where, where we can kind of look uh, moving forward here for week two, which is a nice-looking main slate, uh, all things considered. There are some sort of blowout ish kind of lines or trending them some are, are, are interesting which i will get your thoughts on uh as we move forward but we are going to go position by position here to kind of look for where some of the safety is try to let you know where some of the injury concerns might be and then we'll obviously do our game by game podcast tomorrow where we break uh, everything down and including some more injury stuff and like the news and notes that we're looking out for at quarterback um i mean our system is just showing full kyler murray right now um that's you know, Murray's coming off uh, a big upset over the Niners. He gets, you know, fi- I don't know if you wherever you want to put Christian Kirk, but DeAndre Hopkins is obviously uh, mm-hmm. way ahead of him in terms of just overall talent. Has a wide receiver one, definitely leaned on him in game one, and they just flat out beat the 49ers in the first game of the season. Yeah. And right now, I didn't set uh, Murray's opportunity too different than where we had him last week. A few more rushing attempts for sure. It's mostly just the opponent changes here, and he gets Washington. Now, Washington did pull off uh, their own little upset against the Eagles. But when you see Murray at 100% here in lineups, he's flat-out mispriced on DraftKings. I'll just say that right now. Like it's, oh, yeah. he's like Embarrassing. He, he's the 11th highest-priced um, highest quarterback on DraftKings. That's simply a mistake. I actually think he'll be probably the chalk there because of that. It's just too, something too much to overlook. 
FanDuel a little closer at 8,000 where he's the fourth highest projected um, quarterback. But how do you feel when you see Murray show up in all these lineups? Excited. I think, you know, I liked Murray as a sleeper option going into last week. I actually stacked him and Hopkins in about 10% of my big tournament lineups. And, you know, it didn't quite wind up getting there just because Hopkins, you know, I mean, yeah, had 16 targets, but he never gets in the end zone. And there were just a lot of good quarterback and wide receiver pairings. I wouldn't mind playing both of them in cash, honestly, this week either. I mean, Hopkins at 8,300, we've seen him flirt with being a $9,000 receiver when everything was clicking. And I think the general industry consensus was that he would be, you know, entering a situation that would be a significant downgrade for him since Watson is considered more of a superstar. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he caught, uh, what was it, coming up on 150 yards and Murray only threw for 230 yards, uh, that's pretty bullish sign (laughs) for your Hopkins shares going forward, I would say. So yeah, I like both of them quite a bit. And I think your point about the fact that Murray and Hopkins succeeded in spite of what last year would have been the worst matchup in the league is another very bullish sign. So yeah, I'm all about it. I do think Washington possibly underrated defense at this point. They do have a good front seven. They were just beating the hell out of Carson Wentz last week, forcing turnovers, sacking them repeatedly. They will be a tougher defense than I think many assume they would be going into week one, myself included, but I still think Murray's underpriced and I'd be happy to play him in cash. Yeah, look, he he got out and ran 13 times in, in addition to the 40 passing attempts, and he was already the second, he ran for the second most yards in the league behind Lamar Jackson last year at quarterback. So it's just part of his game. It wasn't just one of these fluky performances. We're always going to trend toward these running quarterbacks just because there's so much safety in the legs. So I think it's going to be Murray. I'm kind of like saying the next the, the next couple guys after him for us, um, for me, there's a pretty big drop-off, um, all things considered. I, I don't... I just think the Murray thing's just not going to change for us at this point, so I'm just not too worried about it. I did write up Dak next. I get that Dak was not all that good in the first game, and this is a situation where I think some people will overreact to the first game of the season and say, you know, okay, he wasn't that good, and they lost to the Rams, they didn't put up that many points. He's someone I'm not going to really overreact on, I don't think, just because we just have a pretty long track record of him being good. He was awesome last year. I thought he was like a pretty good bet for MVP candidate at plus 1400 this year. I'm actually not too, still not off that just because of the season's long. And I don't know, people just are, the NFL is ripe with overreactions to week one. So I'm just not too far off it. But what are your thoughts on Dak here? The weapons are still awesome in Cooper, Gallup, and they have CeeDee Lamb. He still has a Zeke, much better opponent here against Atlanta, who Russell Wilson just carved up. Uh, thoughts here on Dak? Yeah, I don't mind Dak. I think at the similar price point to Murray, I'd be hard-pressed to play him over Murray. And this is always where things get tricky for our cash game articles and podcasts because when there's one guy that seems like obviously the best, it's often just wrong to play the other guys, right? <laughs> so right. that's kind of how I feel about Dak. I, I wouldn't want to play him over Kyler Murray. I'd certainly see the vision when it comes to wanting to run him out there, though, because Atlanta, uh, like you said, a really, really strong matchup here. And, yeah, not, not opposed to it whatsoever for big tournaments. Would love to stack him with one of his excellent wide receivers, maybe even two in a big tournament for cash. I'm still in Murray, Camp Murray here. Yeah, of course. And that's, I'm trying to couch that by saying that, like, I think there is a drop off here. There's the, there's no, this is just kind of like we made a commitment to write up, you know, three ish guys (laughs) per week. And um, that's kind of where I land here with Dak because. Yeah. Well, in some of these guys, it's like, you know, things could happen. Murray could get scratched randomly or, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to leave yourself a few candidates, but, uh, but yeah, still on Murray for sure. 
and then just to kind of round this out, and because I think we're gonna spend a little more time in the other positions, um, mm-hmm. and I hate to do that, I hate to just say it's like this guy or bust, and because again, like Lamar, yeah, but it's now, honest. You don't need guy, to, right? Like, and guys like Lamar Jackson are still good plays, you know, against Houston. He's just more, he's just way more expensive, and that's why I don't really want to kind of go there. Like, people are gonna want to probably talk themselves into Mahomes. I get it. He's nine thousand. I'm Fanduel. Okay, um, like I said with Dak, I think the rushing yards will be there a little bit more, and the, and I, I can't understate like Atlanta looks so bad. They, that could have a, a monster week this week. Like yeah. Wilson, Wilson basically, he Wilson had an eighty-eight percent completion percentage in week one. Like he just couldn't even it's pretty good. Yeah, just couldn't throw an incomplete pass if he wanted to. And <laughs> you have to think that like these weapons are better, and I think they're going to be very, very motivated in a home game to really just dial it up after the week one loss. So do like Dak. Wouldn't be surprised if be some ownership, but I also wouldn't be be surprised to see people down on him. Other guys I threw in here: Josh Allen still ranks in that guys that can get out and run camp. He had a really mm-hmm. big week one. Uh, I think he's a fine play. I just still like in the same price range. I do prefer Murray here. And then I just threw in Matt Stafford as a like I, I think we talked about this in our well, I don't know if we talked about this off air or on, on the last podcast, but Matt Stafford was just the eighth highest DraftKings scoring quarterback last year overall. No, excuse me, eighth highest DraftKings scoring player overall before getting hurt. But it was really because he just had to throw the ball so many times a game because yeah. they stink. That kind of happened again in week one, and I know they didn't get the touchdowns. He should have had a touchdown right at the end of the game. DeAndre Swift just flat out dropped it. But other than that, I don't mind him from just like a volume quarterback, not that expensive guy, but I'm not going to probably do it. I'm not definitely not going to do it. In just yeah, the problem on DraftKings is that he's basically as, as expensive as Kyler Murray, and that rules him out. FanDuel, it's a little bit more interesting, especially if the week breaks in such a way that there isn't much value because then you get savings to go down to Stafford. Uh, he does run a little bit, not as much as someone like Kyler Murray, obviously, and DFS just favors running quarterbacks with the way it's scored. I do. I think Stafford. He, it's kind of funny. So you know, in our ebook over at dfsr.com/ebook, I point out there that overall QB attempts isn't always correlated with overall scoring in DFS. Like right. you know, more attempts doesn't necessarily make you better. Oftentimes because you just get more attempts because you're worse. Like if you complete 88% of your attempts, you just don't need all those other attempts where you could have missed, right? right. So uh, not that anyone's going to have 88 completion percentage at the end of the season. But when it comes to Stafford, I do think he actually is more talented and that his attempts are actually worth more than the average, like, you know, Dwayne Haskins attempt or something like that, right? So I think there is some noise in the uh, in measuring attempts with fantasy points because it also happens that many people with a lot of attempts are just bad too right so like that doesn't that doesn't separate out the fact that like if you gave Aaron Rodgers twice as many attempts or Russell Wilson twice as many attempts they would score way more fantasy points does that make sense of course Um, yeah yeah like not it's not all it's like the same thing and I saw a cool article the other day where it was like not not all third downs are created equal because you're just like some teams are so good at avoiding third downs. So like someone wrote yeah, exactly. uh, someone wrote an article about third down avoidance, and I was like, oh, that maybe is the mark for the best kind of offense, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they just never even had to do third downs because they just got their first downs on first, second, and then they just scored, right? So I was like, right, oh, right. so it's kind of the same concept. It's just like you just can't look at these one number and just you know transcribe onto the, that number what it's going to be worth because Lamar Jackson doesn't need to throw that many passes because they're so mm-hmm. high. <laughs> there's just so high percentage because the rest of the thing they run. Yeah, so I'm totally with you. Yeah, and so, and you know, Stafford has also been very snake bit in terms of the tools he has available to him. Uh, Galladay didn't even play in week one. He dealt with this all season last year. Um, you know, he targeted Quintez Cephas 10 times. Yeah, they've uh, never had a running one. back. Like, they just <laughs> right. never, like, they, they, just, yeah. they, they, they 
rounded up Adrian Peterson's old bones to just kind of come in there and be. Sure. He, he was kind of fine, but whatever. I get you. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, anyways, it's I can I can picture it. I think, you know, early in the season, I think one of the values of doing multiple guys at each position, even if we can only play one guy, is that it kind of gives lets guys stay on your radar for later in the season. Because, listen, right now there's no buys. You know, we have a lot of great plays consolidated onto these main slates. We're going to really be picky and choosy. Your lineup should look really good uh, in these full weeks here. Pretty soon we're going to have multiple teams on buys. And, you might have, and you know, all of a sudden Lamar Jackson's on the Sunday night game and Kyler Murray's facing Russell Wilson on the Monday night game. And you have to start kissing a few more frogs. And I think Stafford's a frog worth kissing sometimes. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back for running backs. All right, running backs are, in some ways, I mean, we're, we're kind of maybe in a similar situation that we, that we were with Murray. Look, this is Wednesday, so things are always subject to change, mm-hmm. injuries and, um, you know, news and all this stuff that comes out. So a lot of times the things that we talk about on Wednesday do change, and that's why it's worth going over to DFSR.com slash deals, and that will get you started on our, uh, I was going to say prescription, but I'm not headed to the drugstore, our subscription service uh, that will cover you uh, for cash games and, um, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. NFL, still got NBA up there, still got MLB going all under one subscription. So go check it out. So this stuff does change. Our chat room's always alive and well with this news. But where do you want to start here with running backs? Um, our system's really pretty locked into two guys here. And kind of like Murray, I feel pretty good about at least the way the first three parts of these lineups are kind of shaking out. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Going into week two is often my favorite week in DFS because in football, I think you do learn a lot very quickly and you can stop speculating pretty quickly as well. So going into week one, you know, inevitably you're going to have some situations where you're like, oh, we assume, I don't know, Boston Scott or something, you know, like we assume that this guy is going to step in and get a bunch of targets or maybe with the young guys, right? Like Henry Ruggs or CD Lamb or whatever. And you have this big assumption, you put your lineups in and then oftentimes it's totally different than whatever it is that you assumed. After one week, the coaches will oftentimes tip their hands. Now, some situations are still uncertain, but I do think we have enough certainty at the running back spot this week that this is not a position where we need to speculate very much. Uh, the first guy I'm going to throw out there is just Derrick Henry. I mean, this guy last year, he had prices pushing 9000 on FanDuel because he was getting this truly absurd opportunity. And going into the season, I think probably appropriately, uh, his price regressed back down to where just normal running backs are, right? Like just guys who get 20 to 25 carries a game. Uh, right in this $8,000 range. And Tennessee, to their credit, I guess, I don't know, uh, just marched Henry right back out there and gave him 34 opportunities on Monday night against the Broncos. Um, And if you're going to get 30-plus touches a game, which, man, it's really hard to imagine a guy doing that all season long, but Henry led the league in carries last season. He leads the league in carries so far, and I don't see that that's going to change. He's just 8,300 going up against this Jags team. That actually did bottle him up once last season, but in their second meeting, he had 175 yards and two touchdowns. So I think he's probably, you know, five to 10% too cheap going into this one. And I think he'll have huge cash game ownership here. Yeah. So one thing to note about the, about the Henry situation that is actually different than last year, especially to start the season, is that when they started the season last year, he was basically in a timeshare with Deion Lewis. Like it's easy to forget this now. And like, by the way, the rushing yards were still crazy. But And they were like, oh, you know, and then near the end of the year, the Lewis thing kind of fell off and he was hurt and they just didn't want to do it anymore. But now they came into the season and just said, you know what's good? 
let's just do let's just continue on with the part where you just are a three down back. Even to the point where he averaged 1.7 targets a game last year and just came out with three right to start the season. Played 61 of the 81 snaps. Like that part, like the only re- worry I have with some of these running backs like Henry was that, you know, there's still a reason to like get someone else in third down to like, you know, pass catch and whatnot. Like, but it, it, there's very few guys that are like this. Like McCaffrey's like this and there's the, the, the list is pretty short after because, you know, a lot of teams still just kind of want to split stuff. The fact that they just kind of just said, hey, you're just going to catch the passes two to some degree. This isn't like breaking news, but it is slightly different than what they did with him last year, right? Like they just the targets weren't as robust as the even and three is not a ton, but if they're just gonna beat it, like Jeremy McNichols played twenty snaps but just didn't even touch the ball at all. So I, I'm I'm all over this. And by the way, we haven't mentioned this too because usually we kind of preview this, but one of the things that we also look for in our cash games for running backs is just to be big money line favorites, preferably at home. Doesn't need to be, but. Um, the money line favorite does correlate well to running back production. Tennessee at minus nine is the second highest, or maybe highest, highest one. Um, yeah, no, it's the highest spread at home against Jacksonville. So all over Henry here. Think that he's probably chalked too. Um, although famous last words on some of this stuff because they're all the mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, d- absolutely love Derrick Henry. Uh, who do you have after him? Because I think there's another guy that kind of fits a lot of the same check marks. Yeah, that we're I think talking there about. is too. Yeah. Uh, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, yeah. Edwards Hilaire. This guy's a mouthful. Can we call him CEH? Is that... Oh, I just plan on it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, CEH. Yeah. yeah. He he was a guy that a lot of people were dreaming on going to the preseason, especially for season long leagues. You know, he was a top 10 pick in most season long leagues. And man, I got to say, especially for season long, that's not a risk I was willing to take personally, but I was proven wrong in week one. You know, the way it wound up shaking out was that the Chiefs seemed really locked in on him being. And every down back, he had 27 opportunities in the week one game against the Texans. And the Chiefs are not a team historically that's felt the need to run the ball a lot when they're up just because Mahomes is so good and so efficient. And their strategy has always seemed to be, oh, let's just keep scoring. Like, we're not that worried about interceptions or giving you more time on the clock or whatever else. But man, they chewed the Texans up in terms of time of possession. And a lot of that was on the back of Edwards Hilaire. So he had those 27 opportunities, turned into 138 yards and a touch. Honestly, it could have been much more if you watch that game because he had several goal line opportunities that he wasn't able to convert. And maybe that winds up being a little bit disconcerting because he is a smaller back. Maybe he winds up losing goal line carries going forward. We're not totally sure there. He also wasn't great in the passing game. He had two targets, didn't convert either of them into a catch. But, I mean, come on, if you're going to get 20-plus touches in the best offense in the league, then you're just a mid-$8,000 back. And the fact that he's only 8000 on FanDuel... 7,400 on DraftKings uh, as a seven and a half point favorite over the Chargers. I think you got to really be strongly considering him for cash here. Yeah, it was just worth noting he and Daryl Williams went two to one in terms of snaps. Williams still carried the ball seven times and, and kind of like just spelling him on drives. I'm not, I'm not worried about it because the fact that he just got the ball 27 times out of his 46 snaps is just kind of mm-hmm. an unreal an unreal usage percentage for when yeah. you're on the field. And if you're just going to be playing downhill, which the Chiefs are going to be doing most of the season, I just think that this price – probably is low sometimes and we kind of it's a weird situation because it would have been very interesting to see what his ownership would have been had they been on the main slate the fact that he was because i think he would have come in at cheaper had lower ownership been awesome and then people would have been unwilling to pay the higher price if that makes sense because people Mm. tend to just this tends to be a problem with upticks in price for just anybody really on opportunity is it like they just vision the the week where they got him at 6500 and now he's 8200 and they're like 
ah, it's so much more expensive. You're like, yay, but he should be nine thousand, yes, <laughs> right? <absolutely>. So, <laughs> right. So like people have a really, I've just noticed people have a really hard time with that math, with the, you know, I missed the sale, and now I'm just uh, not yeah. gonna buy, and now I'm just not gonna buy it at all. And so, um, I do think that some people get saved that because they just didn't have to go through it in week one, and now he just is an eight thousand dollar back. So, yeah. um, unfortunate, but still think that we're. I just like I'm, the Murray Henry Edwards thing. When we're 100 percent across the board around guys like this, this stuff usually doesn't change. Now, after for, for our purposes, you mentioned Benny Snell. I don't want to get into that because I don't think we have the James Conner injury news. Well, so I think yeah. So so there's a couple of cheap options. Is the way I was going to put this yeah. into context this week. Um, I do think you're going to need some cheap options given how much we've already spent at quarterback and running backs. Uh, I think the two guys that I'm kind of eyeballing right now early in the week are Malcolm Brown and Benny Snell. I think I prefer Benny Snell just because I see these guys as being pretty similar and Snell is much cheaper. He was also more successful on a per carry basis. Obviously you need very definitive James Conner news before you even consider that situation. So just put a dog ear that one and return to it as the weekend approaches. And if Snell is named the starter or Conner is ruled out, uh, then you have the full green light on Snell at 4,600. But I'd I think that potentially people are sleeping on Malcolm Brown as being, because it's not like an injury didn't open up this opportunity. It's just kind of already the opportunity he had and pricing for this week was locked in based on like pricing was locked in before his performance, basically. So he goes out against Dallas. He has 18 carries and four targets, turns that into 110 yards and two touchdowns. Um, on, on the surface, that seems like an absolute no brainer at 5,200. Uh, but you gave me some additional context, you know, as we were kind of working out our cash game plays for the week. So what, what's the downside to playing Brown this week? My concern with him is not that the week one opportunity was so good. It was just that, that it's going to be there the whole season. And that's my only – and he was good. And I think that, like, yeah, he had 18 carries. Cam Akers had 14 carries mm-hmm. right behind him. Now they did – that was a 44 to 24 snap count. So Malcolm Brown was definitely on the field more, and that's – you know, Akers is a rookie, and that's just what's going to kind of happen as they ease guys in. Now, Akers, and he was much better than Akers, so that's a, 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 a kind of a, a feather in Brown's cap. The fact that they, he just exists now, maybe with the price, you worry less about it because look, if it, for five thousand, you know, or sub six thousand, you can live with maybe a timeshare in a way that you wouldn't be able to with some of the other guys, these other guys getting tongue tied. The other <laughs> problem I'm a little worried about is Daryl Henderson is still there, and Daryl Henderson was kind of like supposed to be more of the guy, but just was injured all through camp. And just they didn't practice at all. Got cleared right before week one started. Got on the field, only five snaps. But I don't think, I just think that they're going to keep going like this three-headed thing is my guess. And I just don't want to be, I'd hate to be the week where they figured out that they were going to go with another head. <laughs> so like, that's my so only. So I agree with that in principle. And I think that like if Malcolm Brown were like 6,200, I would never even consider it, even in a good matchup. But I think when you bring him down to 5,200, all of a sudden that kind of savings just opens up so many possibilities at other positions that I would still want to strongly consider it. I'll put it that way. I will say, I I do think it's very compelling that he only got essentially half of the team's carries when you add up Henderson and Akers' carries. I think that is a a very, very good case. And generally speaking, I'm not interested in playing guys who are only going to get half their team's carries regardless of all the other context around it because – Teams just tend not to run the ball 40 times a game. Like <laughs> Even if they do one week, uh, I would expect some serious regression there. Also, the Rams really haven't 
had a track record of that in the past or anything. So yeah, I'm I'm less bullish on it than I was, I think, when I wrote up the article, but I also I, I think there's room for having concerns, but it being a play anyway is the way I'll put it. Yeah, no, I think he's good. And like by the way, he was super efficient. So I, it's not it's not that I dislike him. It's more that I just di- I become I become slightly distrustful of the situation. That's all. I know. It's starting like, to feel personal to me. It just he feels a little well, I just, personal. Well, I, was, I was mostly going to say that I hate you and everything you kind of put out there. That isn't <laughs> right, since super- it was my idea, you just want to like <laughs> right, like with the him. numbers thing with Henry and Ch. It's like, well, the numbers are saying like, what's the guy going to do? He's just like anyone could do this. We could just throw we could throw my kid up there. She could nah, actually, sure. She, she's you hate family. Texas. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I'll throw, uh, we'll throw out a couple more. There are some other running backs, I think, to consider here, by the way. I think we'll kind of touch on them more on the game-by-game game tomorrow because they're just we just don't have them in the article, and they just are going to require maybe like a little bit more of a deep dive. But I do think there are a couple other running backs that people can probably talk themselves into. Let's get into wide receiver here. Uh, I wrote in the article that if Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers made a handshake agreement to just break the uh, target record that Michael Thomas set last year before the season. I wouldn't be shocked (laughs) if they just said, let's just go out. That that looked pretty easy for them. Why don't we just go out and do that this year? Because they got in there this season. What it must be like to be other wide receivers on on this team on Green Bay when these guys... It's like when you show up to play pickup football and it's like the two guys who are friends and it's like... Okay. And they're <laughs> you're the, just going to every time. Well, right, they're the, they're the friends and they're the best. So it's like not even like they're friends and they're annoying. And you're like, hey, yeah, you're like you can't you can't hate them for it, but it's also just no fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Adams comes out. Oh, he was so close to a DraftKings play for us. It's so annoying. Like he was so close to our top lineup in DraftKings for cash and just mm. kind of didn't get there right at the end. But uh, he catches 17 balls. Excuse me, catches 14 balls and 17 targets, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Brilliant. It looked super easy. Like at no point did it look like they were really struggling to get him really anything he wanted. It's just a carryover from what he did last year when he wasn't hurt. Um, I wrote when he the last eight weeks of the season when he was fully healthy, he had the fourth most targets in the league, uh, most touchdown catches in the league. Uh, he was tied with Thomas in that. Uh, the yards weren't as weren't quite as there as much there, and that's always going to be kind of his thing. He's just not a huge downfield guy, but man, the volume—it's just not going anywhere. And it's close with a couple of these guys, and it gets real tough because you just can't play all the expensive dudes. But mm-hmm. I don't know how we want to start prioritizing like a guy like Adams compared to the running backs. Like, maybe that's the better way to put it. Where do we prioritize Adams compared to the running backs that we just kind of mentioned, who are all? We're just trending into the, everyone's kind of expensive territory. Yeah, and you can't play all the expensive guys. That's always the annoying thing about <laughs> playing DFS. Yeah, I think that I would want the running backs. Um, and oftentimes this comes down to what our options are like in the mid-tier. I hope to play them all, by the way. And I think if we can get a Benny Snell or talk ourselves into a Malcolm Brown, I think there is an opportunity to potentially do that. I do think we have some good you know, famous last words, because this is what I said last week too, but I do think we have some good mid-range priced wide receivers that we can look at, which I'm sure we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, right now, Adams is flirting around our top overall lineup. He's not quite there, but he's dang close. And the safety that you're going to get, like in terms of the things that we can learn from week one, if the Packers are willing to do this week one, I don't know why they wouldn't be willing to do it week two as well. You know, Adams has plenty of track record. This didn't come out of nowhere. When both he and Rodgers are healthy, he is just a double-digit target, double digit target a game guy. So he strikes me as very obviously the safest wide receiver. I'll, I'll start with that. And if we can fit him in, I'd be very, very happy. 
Julio was close for me, um, just because he's a little bit cheaper. And we'll get into this more. But real quick, I just want to say something. The only reason I didn't write Julio up is that they, the Falcons had th- – none of them, Hayden Hurst, by the way – had three guys that had 12 targets each in week one. Julio had 12 targets, nine catches. Calvin really had 12 targets, nine catches. Russell Gage had 12 targets. You guessed it, nine catches. So they um, – the fact that, like, they spread it out so yeah. much was, the, was the, where I defaulted to Adams, just like the – the target percentage was just so much higher. Yeah, that, that's a stat that we've targets. always tracked inside of our yeah. system as a, a very, very important one. That really lets you know, or it gives it gives a better indication when a guy just got a ton of targets because the game, game script called for it. You know, like I remember Roethlisberger would have those sixty target or sixty pass attempt weeks and stuff. It's like, well, twelve targets that week is not as meaningful as twelve targets in a week where your quarterback only had to throw 32 times, right? Like with, say, like Lockett and Russell Wilson last week. I'm going to value his targets much more highly than I would value, uh, you know, Jones and Ridley's and Gage's targets this week. So I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Strongly prefer Adams in that group. A guy that showed uh, came into the season uh, week one and had 30% of his team's targets was Will Fuller. We kind of saw it coming. We were pretty bullish on Fuller going into that Thursday games. A lot of people were, so it's not out of the, you know. Yeah, we called it. Totally out of left field. But this is exactly what happened when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't on the field last year or in previous seasons and when Will Fuller could also stay on the field, which was always his issue. So Mm -hmm. um, health is always going to be an issue for him. But it's very clear that he is just going to be Deshaun Watson's top target this year. He had twice as many targets as the next closest guy. Now, for a game they were losing, they only threw the ball 32 times, and that's a little bit of a concern for me. That they Well, they had no time of possession, so yeah. I think that's a, a good thing to keep in mind. There was a point in the game, they flashed a graphic on the screen, where they had 10 minutes of possession, and the Chiefs had like 23 or something. Right. So I think that that's going to artificially deflate the Texans in terms of just their raw opportunity from week one. Well, so here's the issue. It doesn't get any easier this week because they play the Ravens. So Correct. the yeah. they are at home. This is a monster total at 52. They are seven-point underdogs. Mm-hmm. I do think they're going to be playing from behind. Time of possession probably going to be an issue again. And he's just 6,100. And if you're 6,100 for a guy that can look around 10 targets, 6,100 on Fandle, that can look around double digits pretty reliably on a week-to-week basis, and I think I think that will be the case for Fuller. It's just too cheap. It's a, it's a little bit of a tougher call in DraftKings. Um, I'm not sure he's quite in like the mid six thousands range in terms of opportunity because, and I know that like very similar numbers, but it just means a lot more in DraftKings because of the um, percentage of the salary cap. So, I mean, can you talk yourself into Fuller here? Uh, he's pretty much locked for us on FanDuel, and eh, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I think not- it's going to be. I, I think it might wind up being a little closer. I think also something that we're going to be keeping an eye on is what the coverage on him will look like this week. So. Like, is he going to draw Marcus Peters in shadow coverage? I'm not exactly sure right now. That's, you know, not necessarily my he doesn't department. Proje- he doesn't project it. Yeah. Um, Marcus Peters traditionally for his career. See, this is going to be different because I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen here with them. But for his career, is only lined up on the left side of the field. Like, just yeah. primarily. Like, And I don't know if he just came in there and said, this is the only thing I'm doing. But that isn't and they've just really moved fuller around a lot look things change so i don't really know for sure but, and i guess like so just looking at week one where odell beckham jr got absolutely embarrassed against the ravens now beckham's got his own stuff going on and you just never know right, right. <laughs> but um but yeah the fact that he was just so bad jarvis landry uh also could only get six targets going in week one too so the Ravens are really tough defense, and like in spite of having a really fast-paced offense, allowed the fourth fewest just totally yards per game last season. So those are the only flies in the ointment. Although I will say Fuller kind of 
it's it's smacking of what I was saying of Malcolm Brown, where it's like, yeah, you can have all these things on the con side of the list, but at some point there is a price that's too cheap, and I, I'd be willing to be convinced that the price is just too cheap because I, I think he'll be like a mid seven thousands wide receiver in very short order. So sixty one hundred could just be too big a discount. I wrote up Amari Cooper too. He just really outpaced all the other receivers in the Dallas attack. That's a good sign. The bad sign has got we've seen this kind of go back and forth with Dallas before, and that was. Mm-hmm. And that's with when they only had Gallup and Cooper, right? So, and now you add CD Lamb in the mix. I still think the price is fine for Cooper. I'm really, I am encouraged that he was sort of the default option, um, at least in game one, because I do think that's like kind of where they wanted to live, but they just haven't in the past, or it's just Cooper hasn't been given him the reason to. But um, I, I did write him up with the kind of sort of the caveat that he he well he draws a good matchup against Isaiah Oliver, and I always just get a little concerned when there are other. See, the difference between, like, Fuller and Adams and a guy like Cooper is that those guys, there's such a massive drop-off to the next guy on the pecking order in turn, on the wide receiver, and it just kind of doesn't exist for Cooper. So I did. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he had, he had more targets than Gallup and Lamb combined last week, so I don't know that it's I don't know that it's a bad situation. I mean, he had 14 targets in week one, right? Like for sure, for sure. No, no, I love it, and that's why he's kind of sitting here, and I'm like, his 14 targets yeah. don't feel as safe as Fuller's 10 and Adams' 17. Yeah, that's if, fair. Like, if, if I'm putting him on sort of like a range. Uh, other just things to keep an eye out. If Golden Tate sets out again, Darius Slayton was clearly Daniel Jones's kind of guy. Yeah. And Sterling Shepard were both really well targeted. I, I'd be more concerned if Tate came back that, that that wouldn't totally continue, but you have to like it. Quinn Cephas, I, look, these guys that come out of nowhere in week one that a lot of people, I'm going to say, have not heard of and just all of a sudden yeah. swallow a bunch of targets. It's a nice story. I don't want to go crazy about it. I get no. that he had, like, I get that he had a bunch of, what do you have, like, 10 targets, no more? It was 10 targets, but he only caught three balls. And I think yeah. if you're going to get excited about young players, they have to give you both because we've seen countless times a guy come out with, you know, 8 to 12 targets in week one and then just disappear off the face of the earth, um, even when it's going well and when it's going poorly. That's something that they're going to look at on film and say, yeah, I get that it was exciting that you had, like he targeted Cephas four times on the first drive. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay, <laughs> remember Marvin Jones is also on the team. It wouldn't shock me if the Lions go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we got to, you know, maybe go back to what was working last year rather than trying to reinvent the wheel with Quintez Cephas here. By the way, if Kenny Galladay came back with a clean bowl of health, I'd probably consider him <laughs> because um, I probably, probably not in cash. Maybe we'll, you know, I'll save him for it. We'll save him for the the. Uh, yeah, you just don't. I don't think you need to pay for it in cash. So. Um, okay, let's let's finish this thing off with tight ends. Uh, who do you like here at the tight end position? Yeah. So the the big question in tight end for us is always going to be: Is this a week where we can afford to go up and get one of the few guys that it feels sort of safe, or do we try to go dumpster diving and get one of the cheap guys? Oftentimes we wind up in the cheap to mid range because even the expensive guys don't feel exactly safe. Um, so like this week, you actually do have two reasonable expensive options on the main slate, right? You have both Kelsey and George Kittle. Uh, both of these guys have absolutely justified prices like they have right now in the past, but I think both have pretty reasonable question marks. So Kelsey, first of all, pays the price you know, with a plum in week one, but he was targeted just six times and needed a touchdown in order to get there, right? So I don't know that you exactly want to just assume that when he gets six targets, he's going to turn that into 14 fantasy points. You know what I mean? Um, I think the other guy is George Kittle, but Kittle's got these pretty significant health concerns. And I don't know that you want to be there, like both paying up at tight end, which is already, like if you're going to pay up at tight end, 
it's going to need to be for like a vintage Gronk sort of guy from my perspective, because very frequently we get these kind of middle to cheap guys at other from other teams that kind of get there anyway. D- does that make sense for starters or are you feeling like this is a week where you want to pay up a tight end? I mean, it's weird because it kind of goes by sight. Like DraftKings is typically where you get the best value cheap on tight ends. And usually there's such a spread on their, their mm-hmm. prices that I'm usually willing to just kind of just, you know, plug my nose and, and kind of go there. Draft FanDuel is a little closer, but in general, I agree with you because it's just so few and far between that the guy who is priced like a high-end wide receiver too gets the same week-to-week production as that guy. And that's that's a, just, a terrific right. way to put it. Right. So, like, right, would we be considering uh, Kenny? I don't know, Kenny Galladay. He's seventy-five hundred this week. If he had a clean bowl of health, would we be considering him? If he had six targets last week, no way, right? <laughs> so, like, it's all well and good. And Kelsey's going to get more. And, you know, red zone opportunity and, and all the rest. But, yeah, I just don't – I don't know that you can trust it. So the problem is that on the cheap side of things, things don't really get super, super clear. I think tight end is going to be really tough this week for that reason. So a few cheap guys that I threw into the article that I think we can consider. Uh, one was Johnu Smith. He did show flashes of being like a six to eight target guy last season. Comes out week one against Denver. Uh, does get the seven targets, including a touchdown. So he is part of the red zone package. And he's under 5,000. And, you know, you can't always just assume these guys are going to score touchdowns. John Smith's not going to finish the season with 16 touchdowns, right? So he's going to need to do something else in order to justify any price at all. But I do think with seven targets, he's at least got to be got to be on your list of candidates. And you also just can't be totally shocked if you wind up only getting four targets or something like that Uh, if you want to push up just a little bit into a guy that's demonstrated more safety in the past I do think Hunter Henry is potentially interesting Uh, he had eight targets against Cincinnati last week Uh, turned that into five catches and 73 yards I think it's pretty clearly his role uh, for LA right now and I mean 6100 it does feel like I see $1,200 better than Jonu Smith. This is like the type of range where I might just start trusting the system because I don't know that I trust myself to kind of eyeball test the difference between these two guys uh, and whether Henry is really $1,200 more valuable or safer, especially when we consider what that can get us from other positions when we have a lot of money that we want to spend. But those are kind of the two guys that I highlighted as early candidates in the cheaper to mid-range. Yeah, I agree with you. And they, you know, they played more than two-thirds of their team snaps, so that's good. There, there wasn't another tight end pushing any of that like tight end production. Um, I, I get that they're, none of them are. I probably default going a little more on Henry, but I wouldn't feel great about it. Chris Herndon probably gets a little bit some love here. He's only 5,100. He's just in that 7,000 range. He just had such a worse situation like on the Jets. And so like this is one of those situations where, yeah, if we project them all for seven targets, Herndon's just going to get the fewest uh, yards in production because this team is going to be – has like the worst touchdown equity of the three. You know what I mean? Like these. Yeah, well, he had 37 yards receiving on seven targets too. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, I'm, like, well, I, no, I'm, it's similar to Johnu Smith. I, I I think Herndon probably is in that Johnu Smith camp. Um, but just like the target leaders at tight end last week. So Dallas Goddard, no, you can't trust it, right? I mean, Ertz right. is still there. Yeah, I get that he had the nine targets. He was very very good, and my eyes are open there. He's definitely a big tournament target. Uh, if you're if you can play the Eagles this week, but yeah, I'm not there. Then it was Logan Thomas, like. You know, eight targets, but turned it into four catches. These are targets from Dwayne Haskins, by the way. Also, 37 yards receiving. This is just the way the road at tight end right now. And, um, you know, as I look at the top of that list, Hunter Henry's right there. second Tied for second most targets in the league out of tight end last week. 
with eight and you're getting him at a discount. So uh, I, I do like they, it. If Darren Waller do, was up there too, but he's not on the main slate. I don't know. There's just well, no good tight ends. I just wish they would just make these guys wide receivers and price them accordingly. And we would just deal with what it would look like for a wide receiver to get seven targets a game. And you can decide if you want to play Travis Kelsey at that. You know, like I just, it gives you so much easier than having like these guys, the, the, the top end be so top heavy. And then you're just, it's just every year with this. Like you're just, you know, kind of piling around the scrap heap each and every week with tight end. This just happens every single year. We go through this every single year, every single week. There's just so few guys that actually – it's a catcher in baseball. It's like, well, there's three guys that can hit, and then the rest of them <laughs> and the great, rest of them analogy. are just going to be cheap, and they're all going to hit ninth, and you can just figure out if you want to – which one of these guys you want to play. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, well, and it's like the inverse of pitcher in baseball while we're on the, uh, the baseball analogy because in pitcher it's like for some reason the sites have never figured out that the pitchers are just the best points per dollar play. So it just always makes sense to – just almost always get the most expensive pitcher, right? right? So it's just kind of like a boring decision. Tight ends are the inverse of that, where it's like these guys are all like the the best points per dollar tight end would be like the fifteenth best wide receiver or something like right. that. So you're incentivized to just go as cheaply as possible. It's such it's such a garbage position, but yeah, no fun. I, I, who likes rooting for this? Who likes being like, ooh, you know, Aiken's got a touchdown. I'm so smart. Like it doesn't. Uh, not into it, Doug. That was not our boy, Jordan Akins. Good reference. Okay, Absolutely. we're on that point. Yeah. We're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. That's our projection system for FanDuel and DraftKings. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL when it was around, but it's not anymore. But it's all covered under one subscription. PGA, the U.S. Open this week, um, mm. all covered under one subscription. Go John Rom. Uh, all covered under one subscription package. So go check it out. DFSR dot com slash deals you can hop into the chat room check out what everyone's talking about uh you get a free trial for seven days and then it's just 29.95 a month after that you're not going to find a better deal in the business buddy be back again tomorrow when we talk game by game breakdown can't wait